Swivel. When COVID-19 took hold in 2020, we collectively turned to the arts to save our sanity. We found solace in our favourite music, binged our way through Netflix, and sought out our favourite comedians online when we needed a laugh. But despite providing sanctuary from the pandemic, the arts and entertainment industry has been hit hard, leaving thousands of creative workers, artists and performers jobless and desperate to get the show back on the road. From Swivel Media, I'm Amanda Reedy and this is Resolve, stories from a stop, start nation. Our stories today come from Melbourne, Victoria. Once known as the epicentre of the Australian art scene, the city is now famous for spending more days in lockdown than any other place in the world, surpassing Buenos Aires' record of 245 days in October 2021. In this episode, we talk to Melbourne-based performers about their experience surviving the pandemic, the future of live performance, and getting back on stage in a post-lockdown world. Hey legends, I was in the supermarket recently and a small child yelled out at me, hey, you look like a man. And I said, can you please tell that to my boss so it's reflected in my pay? My name is Kirsty Wiebeck. I'm a Melbourne-based stand-up comedian, MC, keynote speaker, ballroom dancer. Oh, okay, that, that bit's a lie. Um, I have been a stand-up comedian for about eight years, a full-time professional stand-up comedian for about three of those. Before the pandemic hit, life as a professional comedian in Melbourne was really busy and great. There was always gigs on. There was a, a huge number of wonderful rooms that you could go and perform at. I also do a lot of corporate work, so I'd often go and do jokes at a conference or sometimes I'd do keynote speaking. Very frequently I'd work four or five nights a week. So it's actually a lot busier than people, I think, imagine. The world is mine and I'm feeling My name is Queenie van der Zandt and I am a entertainer and an educator and a serenader. Well, that's what I say. I laugh, I talk, I sing. That's basically what I do. So I work primarily in live theatre, either in musical theatre, cabaret or comedy. And then I also run a online virtual school called the Australian Musical Theatre Academy, which trains adults and young people, all, all sorts of skills around musical theatre and cabaret. I did some comedy TV shows and invented my character Jan Vanderstool, which I'm almost as well known for, you know, these days, being Jan as I am for my own work. One of the shows I created was a show called Blue, The Songs of Joni Mitchell, which is a love letter, basically, to Joni Mitchell from me, a massive, who I'm a Joni Mitchell fan. And that show was very successful. It's sold out all over Australia. It's toured to every festival and it was nominated for the Helpman Award, nominated for the Sydney Theatre Awards. It won other awards as well. And so it's been a really great um, show for me. Both Queenie and Kirsty started 2020 with plenty of exciting projects lined up. 
only to see their calendars rapidly empty as events, tours and festivals were cancelled. I had spent two years with my producer getting my visa sorted for America so I could tour Blue to America and we had a whole three-week tour planned in March in America. So I was just about to do that. I had a lead role in Diana in Next to Normal and that was on in September that year. So I had a very busy year with lots of exciting things happening and um, I was three days away from getting on the plane to go to America to tour Blue when the pandemic hit and then it all cancelled. Most of us would kick off our touring schedule early in the year. A lot of artists would start at Perth Fringe World or Adelaide Fringe and we'd be refining our shows, getting them ready for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which would really kickstart our year because a lot of us would do the entire month of shows. But this money often carries a lot of us through most of the year. I've received this email and, and suddenly I'm seeing the grim reality of the pandemic and I'm really alarmed for all of us and our health and my partner who's a nurse but I'm also starting to read this email watching the dollar signs floating away in my peripheral vision and and I'm just thinking okay this is no good. I, I remember being really stressed for a few days about the future and about the income and also mourning my perceived loss of my career that I'd worked so hard for. It was really hard not to just jump to conclusions and be like, I have worked so hard for, by that point, seven years to be a professional comedian and to be able to live this dream and now it's all gone. COVID-affected countries began locking down and Australia soon followed suit with Prime Minister Scott Morrison introducing tougher restrictions in March 2020. We now need to take action because we can't have the confidence that the social distancing guidelines that we've put in place won't be followed to the level of clients that we require to flatten the curve and to slow the spread and to save lives. While the rest of us watched Tiger King and doomscrolled the ever-growing COVID death toll from around the globe, the reality of how the virus was going to impact our lives started to really sink in. And for Kirsty and Queenie, it meant their profession was no longer permitted. So they would need to find new ways to connect with audiences and put food on the table. I have a real fixing mentality. It's a really big part of my personality where I see something and I'll be worried about it and I'll be concerned about it and then I'll be like, well, we got to deal with it. How do I deal with it? I went online and bought podcasting equipment. I started brainstorming ideas for a podcast. I set up a Patreon to complement the podcast. I started having people signing up to that. I joined Cameo. I started making a few hundred bucks here and there off doing birthday shout-outs. Some of my fans got me to make little videos each week with pep talks for their organisations. People that were fans of mine were putting me forward to the places they worked at and they were getting me in to talk about public speaking and, you know, how to make things, meetings funny or building confidence and public speaking skills. And then I started doing a lot of um, corporate Zoom comedy. Some of my Twitter followers just kept asking me. Somebody was like, Kirsty, can you please put on a Zoom comedy show? And I was like, why aren't I? Like, why wouldn't I just put one on? 
And so I put it on literally thinking it would be a one-off. I chose three of my mates whose comedy is very much my flavour. If I were to host a show and pop them on the lineup, they all agreed to it. I was like, it'll be for my Twitter followers. Hopefully we'll get about 100 people in and obviously everybody gets a paycheck. And I put it on sale and it pretty much sold out immediately at 500 tickets within a few hours. And I, and my mind was blown. I was, I was like, what? Like I genuinely anticipated it to be just a little one-off, hopefully 50 to 100 people. So I went back to my mates and I was like, okay, so we've got all of this interest and now people are joining a waiting list for tickets. So I was like, would you do another show straight after it if we, if we put on a late show? And they were like, yep, absolutely. Put on a second show at 9.30 that night and I think we ended up selling nearly 300 tickets to the second show. And I was like, wow, okay. So people really need something to do. And that weekend, the feedback on Twitter was overwhelmingly positive and people were saying how it made them feel like part of a community. I I actually teamed up with a a stalwart of Melbourne comedy who's been running rooms for many, many years and she's very good at doing the vision mixing and the DJing and everything behind the scenes. And something that was happening in a lot of the Zoom corporates I was doing was people were showing pets at the start of the meetings and things I was involved in. So that became a feature immediately at the start of these shows. And so we start the pet parade with my cat Fergie and our puppy Joan. And everyone was like, oh, seeing everybody sitting on their couches, holding up their cats. And it really made us feel like we were part of this community, which is how I felt as well. It just felt so warm and connecting, despite the fact we were all sitting there just looking at our laptops. And so it went from there. We have quite a few people in New Zealand now as well, and also just people all over the country as well. There's actually quite a few regulars from Western Australia who have never been in lockdown while the shows have been on, and they're just enjoying them. They just live outside of the metro area and don't get to access comedy very much. While Kirsty managed to find success performing from her living room, Queenie tried to reach her audience by creating a web series starring her most famous character. Hello. I'm Jan van der Stoel, international musical setupist. The moment everything got cancelled, I immediately go into action. So I immediately went, I'm going to do a web series as my character. This is how I can make money. I'll set it up on Vimeo. People, my fans, the people that follow me on social media, they can come. And it was called The Corona Vlog with van der Stoel. I thought it was very funny. I loved it. I was really proud of it. And it just literally did nothing. I had like about 200 people a week watched it or something. It was really, really disappointing. And it broke my heart. It actually literally broke my heart. I just felt so abandoned by my audience and I thought artists are so good at pivoting and I'm very good at creating things from nothing. I do it all the time just with businesses, with ideas, but I couldn't make it because people aren't used to paying for stuff like that. They, They wanted it for free and I have this thing about going but this is what I do for a living so why would I give that to you for free even though I love you but that's actually the relationship with an audience you do something for them which you want to give them absolutely wholeheartedly and they pay you a bit of money to enjoy that bit of creativity that you're given that's actually the relationship but of course it was not how we work online yet we're used to just getting everything for free online so I kind of just didn't as a business model I suppose I didn't understand that really and so it it, yeah it was the last straw for me I just went I can't actually create anything I've got nothing to give and I couldn't also teach anyone anything because I thought 
I lost all my confidence. I lost everything. I just thought, I can't, what can I give them? Nothing. They don't want anything from me. They're, like, it was just horrible. The second half of last year was very, very tough. After the web series failed and Melbourne's second lockdown dragged on into months, Queenie's mental health started to suffer. I've been a big believer all my life in mental health and the importance of mental health, especially for performers. Every single morning I spent about an hour reading books that were really inspiring and meditating and writing out what I was grateful for and that just lifted me up. It it was a lot of work. I had to keep working at it, otherwise I would just fall. Even with all of that, I still, in the end, had to go on antidepressants. You know, what was coming at us was so full on. So the whole combination of those things was a bit too much. So I I ended up going on um, antidepressants. And what it's been able to do for me is that it has just picked up my mood enough to make it quite even keeled. With that, I'm just able to manage because it hasn't stopped coming for the arts. It hasn't. It's still coming thick and fast. In 2020, the Australian government introduced JobKeeper, a wage subsidy payment that helped affected businesses continue to employ and pay their workers. There's also been numerous grants and disaster payments that have become available as stay-at-home orders continued. This financial support has been a lifesaver for millions of Australians, but the government has been criticised for leaving behind the creative workforce, with the majority of its casual workers and sole traders ineligible for regular support payments. Kirsty ended up in this category quite by accident. Because because I'd lost my work for the year, one of the first things that my accountant did was deregister my GST. And I don't have any idea about financial things. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that seems fair enough. But they were just like, you're going to be under the threshold, which was seemingly true at the time. But then a lot of the assistance that started popping up required you to be registered for GST. And so suddenly I was ineligible for any assistance based on the fact that we deregistered my GST. I've not received any government assistance at all, like literally not a cent this entire time. I'm sure along the way things would have popped up that I may have been eligible for, but I lost heart and I just decided to find a way to make money, which is coming from a a place of great privilege as well in that I've got a public relations background, I've got a communications background and a teaching background. So I was able to put together some courses. I was really fortunate that I had some skills to draw on and I was able to pull together some semblance of a working life. Because of her musical theatre school business, Queenie was registered for GST and therefore eligible for JobKeeper as well as business support payments on offer from the Victorian government. Because I live in Victoria um, I and I'm registered for GST and I have a business, I have been very lucky that I have been able to fit into their very strange assistance, financial assistance mould that the Victorian government said. I do get business cost assistance program grant, which is a mouthful. When you can't perform and you're losing, you know, hand over fist, you're losing gig after gig after gig, it actually helps you with your business costs and with being able to keep the lights on basically in a business because you're not suddenly bringing in any income and yet you still have, you're still paying all this money to keep it all going. I'm infuriated for all my fellow colleagues and my students and people that I see contributing equally 
and sometimes more than what I'm contributing and trying to do. And from a stupid technicality, because they're not registered for GST, they can't access anything. I mean, it, it's just arbitrary. It's so stupid. This is what is so infuriating about the way the arts are looked at and treated in this country. Since the pandemic started, the federal government has committed around $900 million to bail out the arts. And the Victorian government has added another $500 million on top of that. And I know that sounds like a huge chunk of change, but the arts is a diverse industry with many subsectors. For example, $400 million of the federal funding went exclusively towards attracting international film productions to shoot here in Australia. So when you start reading the fine print, you see that small creative businesses, performers and casual workers got a pretty raw deal. I spoke with Adam Portelli, the Victorian Director of the Media, Entertainment and Arts Alliance Union, who's been advocating for better support for his members. Governments in general, I think, have, have hardly covered themselves in glory with their support um, of the arts and entertainment industries. But the federal government in particular stands out. So the, the federal government support package took too long to be released. And when it finally was, it was really manifestly inadequate and pretty poorly targeted. So in total, we've tallied that around $550 million in direct funding programs to support our industry came through the federal government during the pandemic. Now, whichever way you look at that, certainly compared to other industries, for example, aviation, that figure is just um, entirely inadequate. And if you look at that $550 million, the majority of that is through the RISE Fund. Much of that funding is in the form of loans that will need to be paid back at some stage. And crucially, that support was not for the arts workforce per se, but for arts companies and businesses. So the sense from many people that funding wasn't flowing through to the actual workforce itself wasn't just a perception, it was real. The other issue that goes to the heart of the, the funding issue is the way that the federal government has grossly exaggerated the impact of the JobKeeper scheme on arts workers. Due to the, the nature of many of our members' employment, freelance, casual, etc., tens of thousands of arts workers were ineligible for the main source of funding and assistance that they were supposed to receive. The bulk of our members are engaged in some level of precarious work, some by choice, some, uh, you know, many uh, not by choice. And so many of these workers have absolutely fallen through the cracks. You know, no leave or entitlements to fall back on. I think it's been one of the real macro takeouts of the pandemic and an absolute failure of government to acknowledge the realities of, of an economy it, it helped to create. I think when we're at the other side, and we look at how to build an economy and a sector back, one of the things we need to address is this sector has been relying on a group of workers that have literally no safety net. It might seem crazy that a thriving industry that was so widely affected by the pandemic would have to beg to receive the same level of financial support that other industries have been given. But for my guests, it's just a reminder that the arts has always been crudely undervalued. The creative and cultural sectors generate more than $85 billion in economic activity each year. And according to ABS data, our industry employs four times as many people as does coal mining and about the same number of people 
um, as the entire finance sector. So it's a big contributor to the economy and it's a big employer as well. For us, though, there's something you know, much more than that about the industry through light performance, screen and other mediums. It's a way to tell Australian stories, a way to tell our stories. So it's a very special kind of industry. It's not just transactional. There's a real ongoing community and cultural benefit to the sector, despite the very obvious contribution our industry makes. Funding from governments, and that's of both political persuasions, over a number of years has seen you know, real declines. And we've seen government funding just a shade under 20% less per capita now than a decade ago. And that the starkest and most sharpest decline in that overall funding is at the federal level. To go back to the start of the pandemic, early 2020, Paul Fletcher, the Arts Minister, promised to provide the sector between $4 and $10 billion worth of assistance. We just don't see that having been delivered. It's baffling to me that they just do not seem to see what we give. And I think it's highlighted what has always been the ugly truth in Australia, which is the arts and culture are absolutely unappreciated. And it's through a massive lack of understanding and also a, la- a massive lack of respect for what we actually do. We did reach out to Paul Fletcher's office for comment, but we were told he was busy with the release of his new book. The pandemic has certainly shined a light on the insecure nature of the gig economy and lack of support available for arts workers. And even as we reopen, there will still be ongoing density caps affecting live performance for months to come. But for Kirsty and Queenie, they just want to get back to doing what they love. It's such a beautiful experience to share music and story and comedy and laughter and with with other people like that. It's really wonderful. And I think a lot of people think that performers are in it for them. They think they're in it to get noticed and they want attention and they want applause. And, all. and I'm sure there's performers that that's what it is for them. But most of the performers I know, and certainly myself, it's actually got nothing to do with that. I'm actually an, uh, an introvert in my own life. I need a lot of time on my own and I'm an introvert in that sense. But I perform because I love the feeling of giving something to an audience. For me, it's an absolute act of giving. It's a generous act. It's something that I go, I've got this thing that I know you're going to love and I want to give it to you. And seeing that land on them, seeing them laugh, seeing them cry, seeing them be moved, that's so exciting, you know. That's why I do it. I really miss just standing up in front of an audience, feeling that moment where you know that you've got them on board and just smashing it out in a room full of people who probably have never even heard of you before. There's absolutely no worries for me about performing for um, 12 people or 2,000 people. It's all the same to me. I'm just gearing up for Comedy Festival and hopefully being able to tour next year. So really excited to be able to get out there. Even if it's me, the bartender, two people and a a ball of lint in the corner, I'll do it. Even though COVID has reshaped our culture and the way we gather, it hasn't dampened our desire to celebrate the beauty of life together. And what better way to do that than through the arts and live performance? Whether it's theatre, the opera, a death metal band or a comedian you've been busting to see, the show is finally, and fingers crossed, permanently back on the road. 
Resolve is a production of Swivel Media. It's produced by me, Amanda Reedy, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace, and our executive producer, Scotty Allen. Research and fact-checking is by Lauren Fitzgerald. Original music and sound design is by Ash Deneve. And our show artwork is by Mark Osmendi. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Visit swivelmedia.com, that's swivel with an O, for details on all of our shows and find us on social media for updates and new releases.